Do you like to laugh, geek out on music, and learn all about that band or artist who had that one song back in the day, but then seemed to fall off the face of the earth? If so, you need to subscribe to One Hit Thunder. Together with an array of interesting and hilarious guests, we do a weekly dive into one-hit wonders like Eiffel 65's Blue, Crayshon's Gucci Gucci, EMF's Unbelievable, Delamitri's Roll to Me, Los Del Rio's Macarena, Musical Youth's Past the Duchy, and even Patrick Swayze's She's Like the Wind. So are you subscribed to One Hit Thunder or what? As Desiree would say, you gotta be. And as K7 would encourage, you gotta come baby come and join in on the fun of the One Hit Thunder podcast. Meanwhile, in New Jersey... So, Marissa, what talking points do you want to hit on in this week's episode? Well, Jackie, let's talk about how the film addresses the patriarchy. Ooh, and representation of marginalized people. Ooh, ooh, and even philosophical ramifications of good versus evil and horror. We can point out the triangle boobs, talk about the blood splatter, and, oh, the practical effects. Um... And also the male gaze. My gaze at the males. hi From feminism to fangirling, the Jersey Ghouls cover all the bases of horror from a woman's perspective. New episodes are uploaded every other Sunday. Just search Jersey Ghouls to find us on social media and your favorite podcasting app. Everybody, I hope you have a lovely upcoming 4th of July. I know that we're not because uh, <laughs> we're sitting here and watched the sequel to a previous 4th of July pick. I know what you did last summer. Mm-hmm. I still know what you did last summer, which is also celebrating its 20-year anniversary, uh, released in 2003. Um, this movie's pretty bad. We're gonna, we're just gonna, we won't bury the lead here. Nope. <laughs> not great. No, I think that I I've been excited about these anniversaries until now, and and just well, <laughs> I just think that I, I liked my other anniversary pick, uh, Psycho Two. This one, uh, being a follow up to another movie, it's not good. It's not good. No, Matt, I just I just feel bad. I just feel bad. It's a, it's sort of an apology. It's a half ass apology. Wait, did you? Uh, oh I yeah, that's like, right. We we kind of. So I here's still, the thing. I still say Matt picked this one. I I don't care what you say. <laughs> I I oh, wait, say that this was indirectly a group pick. Um, yes, that's so right. I forgot group that you, pick. I forgot. <laughs> it has nothing to do with me. Uh, so, God damn it, Brian. <laughs> yeah, it was a three to one vote. <laughs> it was. Um, so here's here's the Those most. I'm going to give brothers. you the positive. I'm going to give you my positive, okay. and I'm going to give you my negative. Yeah. All right. Your AC the, then your DC. The the yes, the best thing I can say about this is that I'm not sure if you guys remember, but the 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 teaser trailer for this movie was fucking iconic, uh-huh. uh, which was Jennifer Love Hewitt just having a therapy session, 
and then out of nowhere from the window behind the therapist the the hook-handed man with a in a like slicker just bursts out of the window and just says i still know what you did last summer and it's i just i'm just bringing it up because man i miss when the trail the teaser trailers for movies was just made out of brand new footage that they shot exclusively to be a teaser for a movie um the worst part about the movie is everything but I, I feel when the, like when the teaser is so good that the movie just can't fucking. The movie just can't. Up. Yeah, dude. The amount of stuff that I read, like if you scroll through the IMDb trivia on this page, it's it's almost exclusively just how disappointed everybody was. Like yeah. Freddie Prince Jr. has still never seen this movie. He's yeah. like, I shot it, it came out, everyone said it was garbage, and I just said. I'm good. <laughs> like, yeah. Jennifer Love Hewitt said she though. only signed up for it because she thought it was going to be the same director as the first movie and was like deeply disappointed when it so wasn't. So was that director. He yeah. said that the movie <laughs> w- killed the possibility of a franchise, which is kind of untrue because there was a third one after it. Like and a also decade that, later. Yeah, that was like a it, soft reboot, if nothing else. How <laughs> the fuck do you even have a, a franchise that has to add a word to the name every time you make another one. Yeah. And um, and, and eventually has a has a finite amount of possibilities. <laughs> yeah. uh, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like uh, I know what you did last summer. I still know. Like I haven't I'll forgot. Always I'll know. always know. Yeah. Uh, I've forgotten, but somebody keeps reminding me I have Alzheimer's. Uh, yeah. That's the that's the my last calendar. My yeah, iPhone my, calendar, my calendar still knows what you did last summer. Yeah. So the so notification here's... went off. I'm pretty sure this happened, but I don't remember asking for the notification. Last Can we summer. also admit? Like, look. One of these days, we're gonna actually do a proper Scream Two episode. And when Scream 2 came out, everybody at the time, at least in my age demographic at that time, made fun of the reveal of Billy's mother as the killer. And it was like, Billy's mother, like the way that it's delivered, all that. That pales in comparison to to Will is Ben's son. Ben's son. Do you get (laughs) the joke? everybody (laughs) so listen in 1998 when i first saw this movie i was like damn this sucks look let's let's not pretend that slasher movies aren't dumb as shit they're dumb as shit that's why we love them yeah but kevin williamson has the magic pen that can make the dumbest shit and the very intelligent blend in a really fun interesting way and let's also keep in mind that when we actually did do the episode on i know what you did last summer for i think for all of us it was like this movie is still fun, but in comparison to everything else that was coming out in the late '90s, like retrospectively, I, it's kind of more on the lower end yeah, but of I, the totem pole. I, it's I, still a fun would, watch. Yeah, it's the, no. Like, but I also want to be very clear that if I didn't say it when we discussed, I know what you did last summer. I want to say it now that even when that movie came out, it felt a little light. Yeah. But I wasn't watching it necessarily for the for for it being good or being so bad it's good i watched it because i wanted to dress like freddie prince jr get my hair cut like freddie prince jr and i wanted to listen to the music it was it was totally a freddie prince jr and that goddamn soundtrack vehicle for me it felt like the the predecessor to the pg-13 horror boom that would come later you know what i mean like it was and that's that's the one thing that's the thing i was going to say in the 
there's not a lot of positive check marks here. What I will say about this movie is that I agree with you. I think I know what you did last summer really feels like a PG thirteen slash movie. If you told me it was, I would have believed you. Yeah, right. This but one it, like, does it. it, it I feel like this one really amps up the kill and the violence in it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But that's yeah. not necessarily better. Like there's there's a handful of moments that I'm like, oh, that was cool. Like Jeffrey Combs's body reveal Je- is great. Like His, that Jeffrey whole, Combs being in this, in I completely was, forgot. I forgot. I forgot. I knew all well, about I, Jack Black. I watched it. Yeah, I mean, I remember <laughs> yeah. Jack Black, but like, yeah. as, as much of a Jeffrey Combs stan as I am, I haven't watched this movie since '98. I didn't know who Jeffrey Combs was in 1998. Right. I mean, yeah. I was a junior or a junior in high school or something like that when I saw this when movie. He, and, I also uh, forgot that radio giveaways were a thing, but my mom won one to Disney World when I was a kid. I oh, won wow. tickets to the movies one time. So nice. That's as cool. <laughs> Man, Matt's just e- shitting all over everything equal, today. Equal value right there. Dude, when, he, <laughs> when Jeffrey Combs popped up with those, like, big old, with that big old top jaw of teeth, like, I was so amped. And he was great. He, honestly, like, you say there wasn't a, like, there, and there wasn't. This movie He's the was high point bad. of the movie, though. He's the high I, point of the movie It's for just me. because it's Jeffrey Combs, though. Like, it's not good. Yeah. And Dude, I mean, John Hawk shows up, days. and I couldn't give two fucks. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. like bummer, bummer yeah. for you, dog. So, so there's two things that I. Oh wait, had no, to... Orgy's Blue Monday plays, and I did, I did have a huge pop for that. Yeah, uh, you do love that song. Dude. I do love that song. <laughs> uh, check out his episode of One Hit Thunder about it. Um, so <laughs> there are two things that I wrote down that uh, I feel like are so minor, but so encapsulate this thing. So Freddie Prince Jr. and his buddy get attacked. Freddie Prince Jr. ends up in the hospital. And uh, the doctor and the cop are looking over <laughs> Freddie Prince Jr. And he's the doctor says this line of dialogue. And he's like, yeah, but his story hasn't changed. He still says Ben Willis attacked him with a hook hand. And he, you know, he was wearing a slicker and he killed his body. And then he drove off in a BMW. And I was like, why is he really stressing that the BMW is the most unrealistic part of this story? Uh, And then shortly, almost immediately after that, we get a very unnecessary but blissfully very short-lived karaoke scene of Jennifer Love Hewitt singing I Will Survive. Which is track number two on the soundtrack. I was considering this this for soundtracking because there was this Hoover Phonic song that played. Hoover uh, fucking Phonic, wow. Which I didn't know was a band. Uh, And then I was like, oh, that's got to be like a one. And they're fucking huge uh, overseas. But um, I was like, oh, great. I hope that's on the soundtrack. Maybe we'll do soundtracking. And then I looked and I was like, well, then we're not doing soundtracking for this movie at all. Because Jennifer Love Hewitt's fucking karaoke track is track no, number how? two. Jennifer Love Hewitt's solo song, How Do I Deal, is track number two. At karaoke, she just sings Gloria Gaynor's I Will Survive. Oh, wow. I'm sorry. I just read The Artist and made an assumption. And lo- <laughs> you know what happens when you make assumptions, everybody? I'm Makes also kind of ass- taken aback that Imogen Heap is on this soundtrack. Yeah. That, 1998 feels wildly early for early. an Imogen Heap early, But Imogen Heap has been around since, like, 96. So, yeah, like, I, I was kind of so. surprised, too. But, um, but well, I, uh, what, what did I just hear? Yeah, what was oh, that? Well... I farted. Uh, no, um, I, <laughs> it uh, sounded delightful. I busted open Field Day Summer Ale from uh, from 
Berkshire Brewing Company. I picked it because of summer, and I picked it before I watched the movie. I would have maybe gotten, like, a red stripe or something for Jack Black, uh, but I, I, I picked this summer ale. It's a um, hoppy have... American wheat. What do you got going on? I, I made myself a dark and stormy the right way because yes. she okay. says right to put Tabasco in it, and that's just psychotic. That's insanity. <laughs> yeah, like... um. Regular dark and stormy. So you put Cholula in it instead. Yes, yes, like a normal human <laughs> being. But um, the the you know you, I had so, I had some Kraken rum, I had some ginger beer, and I had limes, and I was like, well, I'm I gotta do it. I mean, it's just a gimme. Boom. But yeah. I I did want to say that one time Megan and I years ago went to this amazing restaurant up in Cleveland, and um, I had a dark and stormy made there, and they made it in an incredible way. Where what they did is they took a piece of cinnamon they lit it on fire they put it under a cloche and then or i'm sorry they they put it out on top of the drink and immediately put a cloche on top of that so that all the smoke stayed on top of the the drink and then when you take the cloche off it flows down the sides it was cool as hell i'm almost positive it's just a dark and stormy with smoke on it with smoked cinnamon, yeah. <laughs> well, that sounds yeah. great. <laughs> it was still, and it also tasted good. So you know, yeah. That well, well. Cheers! I totally forgot this took place in a tropical location, or else I wouldn't be drinking this. But uh, that sounds lovely. <laughs> I was, I, but they also dropped my tie in the middle of it. The same. I way was gonna that, do uh, a mai tai before I watched it. I was like, a my fucking tie. Yeah, I, I don't yeah. even know what's in a mai tai. What is in a mai tai? Is it tequila? It's a rum drink. It's a light rum drink, though, isn't yeah. it? And I it's don't... like a cherry pineapple rum drink. Oh, I would never make it? one of those because I don't like light rum and I don't like pineapple. No. But my brain is now taken up with all of Jack Black's dreadlocks. Uh, culturally inappropriate dreadlocks. Dude, all right. <laughs> so lot. let me... Speaking of Jack Black... Smoking in the pool is great. Look, the Doritos. Speaking of Jack Black, in this movie... I I actually really like his kill scene. It's one of like the few on-screen kills that we get in the entire movie. So I I'll take what I can get. I burst out laughing at his reaction. Like He's no, like, not the, like almost no, yeah. not that weapon. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Picks anything else to anything murder but me the with. Axe. Yeah. So he grabs he grabs shears, right? Yes. And I'm immediately thinking of the burning. Mm-hmm. I have a fun fact for you guys that I didn't know. You guys may have known this. Did you know who helped? produce and make the burning no george harrison of the beatles what so george incredible so george harrison um the infamous story is that the funding for monty python's life of brian uh was pulled and they didn't think they were going to make the movie but george harrison read the script and his review was i want to watch this movie so he just wrote him a check for the full production of life as brian and he started a small studio called Handmade Films. And they were films produced by George Harrison. And the only the, the only way to get the movie made was basically George Harrison had to read the script and decide it was a movie he would want to watch. He just had to, like, <laughs> gladiator, thumbs up or thumbs down. The basically. Um, and not a ton of, like, massive hits that came out of there. Like, The Burning is among the most famous ones. But also early in there... Time Bandits, produced by George yeah. Harrison. Mm, weird. The second I found out The Burning, I was, oh, and With Nail and I was one of theirs uh, that oh. they produced. 
Wow. Uh, okay. But, but yeah, I was like, oh, there's a fun little fact to kill some time on this episode that we have nothing to say. <laughs> yes, um, thank you. Can we also point out, this dawned on me, that Wilson Benson's entire plan hinges on Freddie Prince Jr. declining the offer of tickets. I feel like he was still going to show up, wasn't he? He, he could have gotten there to the Bahamas regardless because they paid for the fucking plane tickets. Also, That's how true. does the killer from the first movie who everybody thought was dead isn't dead, how does he have money to, one, send his son to college and, two, pay for... Four people to fly to Dude. the Bahamas. He's well, a white-collar criminal that turns well, killer. I'm, I'm assuming, <laughs> I mean, fraud. The, the Bahamas are going to be expensive no matter what, duh. But I do feel like since the whole thing is like we've what, officially gone season? into off-season, like yeah. it's probably a lot cheaper. It's like the he cheapest doesn't have time. a job, Matt. That's true. <laughs> Listen. He's a fisherman. Of all of the people, like this, this I feel like. He's a fisher of men, Kyle. <laughs> Ah uh, yes, well done. This 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 movie really to, highlights. Bring it in for you. <laughs> this really highlights what makes Scream work. Like <laughs> makes the Scream franchise work, though, is like the idea. Ben Wilson is not a fucking iconic killer that we're gonna have to keep bringing back movie after movie, like a Jason or a Freddy or a Michael Myers. Like if he was just, supernatural, I'd be okay with it. If he was, maybe, but it's like. It's just a dude in a fisherman's suit with a hook. Like, anybody can don that costume. Like, that's what makes the Scream movies so fun is that every single one is a, a some form of a murder mystery. So let's say, theoretically, this did, in fact, spawn a franchise. Is that going to be what every fucking movie is? Is, like, right. it's still Ben Wilson, but, like, or Ben Willis, but, like, what person helped get him there this time and I also love that this movie ostensibly ends with Jennifer Lovett's character getting murdered there's no like her waking well, up from a dream or like, but the, <laughs> like who's do, who? who who's the killer I think it's, it's a, still Ben <laughs> it's I dude I, this movie this movie blows and it's not like everybody everybody's fine in it like Brandy's fine. Kai Pfeiffer's fine. Like Jennifer Love Hewitt's fine. Everybody's okay. Everybody does their job, but it is a bad movie. And that's the thing that I wanted to point back to. You were talking about these slashers that sort of like, especially these teen slashers. You know, like Scream. Or we talk about Urban Legend being like yeah. in the mix. Like we had Urban a lot Legend more fun is a better. Them. I know what you did last summer, by the way. Yes, one yes, thousand yes, yes. percent. Exactly. But like then this this type of movie is why like. People didn't like slashers as they progressed in the 80s, and then they didn't like these teen slashers of the late 90s, early 2000s as they progressed, because ultimately it does just turn into people being tricked into thinking that they're scared or running away from something that they don't need to be running away from until ultimately they run away from the right thing uh, 90 minutes into the movie and you're just like, and they scream at the right time. You know, it's like, yeah, it, there's, it, this becomes empty. This becomes completely empty. Well, in even, this movie, even if there's like, even if there's interesting kills, which you're right, this is probably more uh, gory and interesting than the other ones, but the, like, the, well, this has a much higher sucks. kill count than the first yeah. one. Yeah. I think the first right? one has like three kills. I think three yeah. total. Yeah. <laughs> mm -hmm. Like mm -hmm. this, this one also, so like you have to you have to also factor in that like it does these things but it's still like a it's still like a bad version of a better scene you yeah. know what i mean and like something that jumps to mind is like 
dude, my bloody Valentine did a better job of finding a body inside of a dryer than what we <laughs> yeah. got in this movie. Like yeah. it's just like it's it's like cool. Like I've like the yeah, like the, take five more minutes to think about it, and you will come up with a better version yeah, of that. It's it's <laughs> just, like it's just like try even, harder. Yeah, even if we were going to say, you know what? Yeah, the kills in this movie were cool. When you boil it down to it's like, great, this movie's an hour and 40 minutes, and there are two and a half to three minutes of cool things that happen yeah. <laughs> during it. Yeah, the like, ratio, it, ratio's bad, dog. Yeah. Yeah, like, because we do get that gnarly, like, hook in the throat out of nowhere in the kitchen scene. Like, there's mm. there's moments that I'm like, oh, man, that was that's the only, that was, Besides Jack Black's death, that was the only one that I liked. I was like, that the line, the, the delivery, like, everything was great, but then ultimately, like, it's done in 30 seconds. Yeah. It's dragged off, and that's it. Which is a way worse Nick Cage movie. Um, so <laughs> <laughs> it's on. It's on. You watch it on double speed. It's great. <laughs> uh, yeah, guys, we all collectively agreed on this and took that collective hit. Scott, you uh, co-signed this, as we all know. Yeah, um, yep, yep, actually, you were the first. You, John Hancocked it. You signed the biggest uh, signature on it, if I remember correctly. Do you like to laugh, geek out on music, and learn all about that band or artist who had that one song back in the day, but then seemed to fall off the face of the earth? If so, you need to subscribe to One Hit Thunder. Together with an array of interesting and hilarious guests, we do a weekly dive into one-hit wonders like Eiffel 65's Blue, Crayshon's Gucci Gucci, EMF's Unbelievable, Delamitri's Roll to Me, Los Del Rio's Macarena, Musical Youth's Past the Duchy, and even Patrick Swayze's She's Like the Wind. So are you subscribed to One Hit Thunder or what? As Desiree would say, you gotta be. And as K7 would encourage, you gotta come baby come and join in on the fun of the One Hit Thunder podcast. Meanwhile, in New Jersey... So Marissa, what talking points do you want to hit on in this week's episode? Well Jackie, let's talk about how the film addresses the patriarchy. Ooh, and representation of marginalized people. Ooh, ooh, and even philosophical ramifications of good versus evil and horror. We can point out the triangle boobs, talk about the blood splatter, and oh, the practical effects. <sighs> um, and also the male gaze. My gaze at the males. Hi-o! From feminism to fangirling, the Jersey Ghouls cover all the bases of horror from a woman's perspective. New episodes are uploaded every other Sunday. Just search Jersey Ghouls to find us on social media and your favorite podcasting app. It is mind-blowing. And heartbreaking. How many original scripts are written every year but are never made? So we seek out these scripts and bring them to life with full audio production and professional actors. Check us out at Undiscover Scripts. Movies made of paper. Wherever you get your podcasts. Free! So Kyle, what did you uh, what did you want to double feature this with? Club Dread. Uh, of course you, you did. Are you serious? Uh-huh. That's my, That was my first no pick way. too. I love it. <laughs> Holy shit! I'm not even mad. I had a bunch, but I was between yeah, this dude. week and last week's episodes, we're just, just seems, fucking yeah, mind meld. Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah, mind meld, baby. Yeah, no club dread. I was just like Jack Black on the resort, like really a much more fun movie. Yeah, uh, but also it fits into the lexicon of how disappointing the first watch of. Mm. I still know what you did last summer is. Yeah, if you liked. I know what you did last summer because Club Dread, I believe, was the the movie that came out 
from Broken Lizard right after Super Troopers, right? Right after yes. Super Troopers. And, and Super people Troopers were is like, disappointed I was so, I, yeah. I, I don't think I've seen it a second time yeah. because I love Super Troopers so much. I should give it another chance. Oh, I think I actually had it on the list yeah. to watch. Because, oh, because we, let's we be honest. fuck with a Club Dread on this show. Then they followed it up with yeah. Beer Fest, which is which like is arguably a, a bigger home run than even Super Troopers for me. Mm. Like, yeah, which is <laughs> hilarious right. because the guy, the guy that's never drank a beer loves, loves the hey, movie loves about beer. Yeah, it's a good time. Um, well, has, as I've said many times, American it's the werewolf only... in London <laughs> parody in the middle of it. Uh, yeah, <laughs> not again, so not again. Um, all right, Scott, what are you gonna go with then? Since Kyle just ripped that out of your cold dead hands, I feel old cold Heston. Just hands. wait a second. Um, <laughs> maybe I let you go since I do have a third one. I think you may. We are we if we gonna are we gonna go for the triple crown where you? That would be nuts. No, 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 no. I didn't have I didn't have mine. Club Dread. No, oh maybe no, no, maybe. No, no. no the uh, triple crown is you both pick something that I wanted to pick. We'll and, see. Um, um, I wrote down a movie that disappointed me the first time I watched it, but then the more I watched it, the more I appreciated it. We actually did it fairly recently, but it's still a good ass time. I went with um, April Fool's Day. Oh, okay. Uh, I just would rather be watching April Fool's Day. <laughs> yeah. No, that's fair. I, I'm I'm only slightly disappointed that you didn't go with Horror of Party Beach, because Ooh, what a delight! That movie is so much fun. Um, yeah. And and if you had picked Horror of Party Beach, my second backup, which is actually a third up, I suppose, um, would have been Killer Workout, strictly due to the fact that you almost get. The um, tanning bed kill yeah. that you get at the beginning of Killer Workout here. I will say that the zip tie was effective and like it kind of freaked me out. Like I was like, oh damn! Like except you look at the runtime and you're like, there's no way that Jennifer Love Hewitt is getting murdered this soon. No, yeah. right? You're like, geez, half hour left. <laughs> I mean, if they would have killed her with a half hour left and had better Randy movie be the final better girl, movie. what a fucking totally. twist! There's, I guess, Scream kind of does that where you present this like leading lady to then get killed but much on. earlier um, yeah but yeah much, yeah but i was just trying to think of if there's another movie yeah ex- like um, it wouldn't make no, they never um, i would say dream master second. i would say dream, dream master dream master introduces Fair. the original survivors of the dream warriors and kills all of them to introduce that's the a, new batch. that's a good point that's a yeah. good point huh um but uh, all right so Kyle, what is something that you watched, read, looked at, listened to, thought about that you want to uh, discuss and promote? Yeah, dude. I mean, it's nothing that I would like necessarily recommend, but it's just like a point of interest. I watched um, Carnival Magic, which is okay. a movie by Al Adamson, uh, who there's a all of this to lead into the next thing I want to watch, which is a documentary <laughs> about his death. Uh, he was a film director from the '60s who made these like really low budget, sort of like I mean, the one, Carnival Magic is not horror, but it is a very kind of disturbing kids movie that takes place at a carnival with a talking chimp and like a drunken like it it it, it is it is fully immersed in carny culture without kind of like being like hey this is carny culture you know what I mean it's not like um it's not like a it's not really exploitative as much as it is like this is what he did was just make a movie within carny culture it was very it's very odd and it's not like a great movie but like i was just so engrossed maybe voyeuristically a little bit but like Wait, you know it's hold on a second are you about to say that you still haven't seen blood and flesh 
I've not seen Blood and Flesh. This oh, is Blood and my Flesh first, is yeah. fantastic. Yeah. I so think both I, Scott and I have recommended that in the past for like, yeah. what did we watch Is that this right? Week? Okay. Yeah. All right. I, I'm, I, I had to think I'm, a second. I'm like, I know that name. Why do I know that that's, name? I'm that was, I was not, I, I was like, not sure if I knew the name because of Kyle or because yeah. of me watching something about him. But yeah, no, it's, it's kind actually of a, really, really good doc. And I don't, I don't watch a whole di- lot of docs. That's a direct, that director is a blind spot um, for me, not only from his body of work, but then like his story. So like that, that documentary seems super interesting to me. Uh, and I've had it on my list for a while, but part of me kind of wanted to see some of his flicks before that too. Yeah. Um, and I just grabbed Carnival Magic on like a used Blu-ray uh, thing at the archive in Bridgeport, just on a whim, and uh, it's not—it's not a movie I recommend, but it's just sort of fun to watch those. Like, God, it's like uh, those movies from the '60s and '70s are so interesting to me because it's like people got their hands on a camera and they had these grandiose ideas to be doing a thing, right? And it's like we see that now in our culture uh, with with iPhones um but but act but seriously like we see that in our culture with like the accessibility of equipment but then the not being able to like execute on a certain level mm-hmm. where as there like you kind of like it's it's almost it's almost comforting it's almost comforting like you see them execute a, a flick on a level that you're like oh my god they had and, you know he still had money like he had money to go and do this thing to process the film to get all this like all this stuff it's just like this it, the scale in which people made things at that time is so interesting to me that they also just used what was around them which was a fucking carnival and yeah. there's a chimpanzee and there's a houdini-esque magician and it's just like you know it, it's it's really wild um it was a nice thing to like after a long day at work to just like put on and like sort of like absorb um there wasn't a lot of paying attention because it was kind of long and drawn out but um even for 86 minutes but it, it's interesting and i'm excited to watch that documentary now that i have like an idea of a thing that he did before yeah no fair um so as listeners learned last week i was on a little bit of a road trip uh poisoning the brains of my friends with movies <laughs> that caused them harm uh, so the I big, haven't had just big middle finger as you left yeah. each location. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I haven't had time to watch anything fully new, but I'm halfway through uh, the Muppets Mayhem, and oh. it is without a doubt the best Muppets project since the Jason Segel movie in 2011. It it absolutely captures what makes the Muppets work, which is abstract absurdist humor mixed with like a ton of heart uh and the concept for those of you who don't know is it tells the story of this girl who's working at a record label that's about to completely shut down because of the new digital movement um and she's like trying to find something that can save the record label and as she's shredding all of these old contracts for her boss she finds a contract for the electric mayhem the band from the muppets And she realizes that they signed this contract 50 years and took a massive advance to record an album that they've never made. So she's like, people, like, they depict the Electric Mayhem in this as the Grateful Dead. Like, they're just this band that everybody loves, they're a huge influence, and everyone just follows them on tour, and they have these diehard fans. And she's like, if we can record this album that they've owed us for 50 years and release it, it will sell like crazy because it's like the most anticipated album of all time. 
Uh, so it's basically just about her like trying. So it's her trying to like wrangle this like group of just zonked out characters. There is an episode. This isn't a spoiler. Much of a spoiler. There is an episode. It's episode th- four or five where they're like we're where we got writer's block. And the one song that we wrote for the Muppet movie, we wrote because we were like living under the stars and it was like a, a beautiful experience. We need to go camping again. We need to go camping and, and rejuvenate those memories. So they go and they find a bag of marshmallows and they start cooking the marshmallows on the fire and then they start eating it and everything starts to get psychedelic around them and then the girl's like, oh my God, these marshmallows expired 30 years ago. You guys are (laughs) tripping on bad marshmallows and it's like the whole episode is just a 30 minute acid trip of each one of them finding inspiration. Which is all any of us ever wanted from the Electric Man. That's all, that's it. Just a full blown psychedelic 30 minute like acid trip where like one of them sees himself as they literally do a full stop motion scene using the Muppets toys that you can buy of like stop motion characters like walking around trying to figure out how to be normal again like it's incredible like it is so even if you don't watch the whole show the episode's called Break On Through because every episode is named after a famous song from the 60s the episode Break On Through is the one where they trip on expired marshmallows in the middle of the desert (laughs) that's incredible that's the best safe way to be like how do we put a hallucination on a Disney show Uh, (laughs) it's brilliant Um, and Scott send us home what's something that you watch listen to rocked out to loved I don't know you do a lot of things you're a multi-layered human (laughs) <laughs> um, I well, w- we are not done with it, obviously, because as of recording, the season's not done. But um, as with last week's episode, I need to pick one of you guys' brains about your opinion. Matt doesn't like Maisel season five. He has said so to me, and I don't understand it um, because I- I'm having a blast. So here's what I don't. So here's my marvelous problem. Mrs. Maisel for the un, yeah un, marvelous um, Mrs. Maisel. So I haven't the, watched the, new the newest episode at the time that we're recording this. By the time this comes out, it's all done, and both of us have finished sure. it. I'm sure. Yeah. Um, the the episode that was the roast, I finally started to get on board. My problem was I was like, what? I don't. I couldn't wrap my head around what the thesis was anymore. Where I'm like. We get these flash forwards that all the flash forwards do is establish what I've already known and thought, which is that May- that Midge is a fucking monster <laughs> of a person. <laughs> and then we just get this like two minute snapshot that like everybody's life is w- worse because she became famous basically. And then we like jump into the past. And I guess if it was just like a random season, I wouldn't have cared as much, but I'm like, I'm like, this is the last season of the show. I feel like there's so many questions. The flash forwards aren't giving me any more answers closer to anything. Why is there a whole episode dedicated to Midge's parents essentially hiring an entire search party to find <laughs> to find somebody? Like, I'm like, this is just like fucking cartoon nonsense right now. And there's only eight more True. episodes to get me to a conclusion. Like, I was just getting so frustrated that I'm like. I felt like every episode was, like, fun and goofy, which is fine. Like, I love that for the Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, but, like, looking at it through the lens of a final season, I'm like, we are making no 
actual progress to what feels like an ending, and it was like stressing me out that it was going to be like very unsatisfactory. We finally got to that roast episode, and it started to like tie all those loose ends together sure, a lot yeah. more. But yeah, those first like four or five episodes, I was like, what are we even fucking doing here? Like, that's what was like stressing me out for a really long time. Okay, that's fine. I can yeah. accept that. I was yeah. just trying to understand. Because yeah, I'm no, like, it was just, it was narratively really baffling me and I couldn't figure it out. Like, like you know, again, it's just if if they were like, hey, next season is the last season, I'd be like, okay, I love this. They're They're giving me mystery of what caused everyone to hate Midge and we're just having fun in the meanwhile but I'm like there's four episodes left and I don't know what the fuck is happening (laughs) it's a good show I feel like that show will never hit the highs of that first season though I think that first season is absolutely is a flawless season of television and honestly I like the ride I know you like the ride but most people I'm like you know what if you want to you could just stop on that on season one it is a perfectly like uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Like it's a it's a very put together first season in the sense of like you want more, but it feels conclusive yeah, enough that yeah. you're like, like okay. If they hadn't gotten renewed, it would have still felt satisfying. Yes, yes. So it's like if you want to, if you're like not enjoying the ride when you're like halfway through season two, like you can pull out and just pretend that that never happened and it's a good, great. I would say it might be arguably the first season is in the contention for one of the best seasons of television I've ever watched. Like, I think it is a flawless season of television, Um, which is why I think I hold all the other ones to such a high bar that I get frustrated that they can't hit it. (laughs) Yeah, they they, they can't. I feel like you just hand it your... (laughs) What did you watch to me for two minutes? That's fine. I did the same thing last week with Kyle. I just needed needed to... understand you both a little better gotcha 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 well it's always we always like to get to know each other here on horror movie night and um i hope that you'll come to church with me next week scott (laughs) (laughs) i like that this is the new the new theme and joke hey Um, uh, i I will forget it next week so don't worry that that (laughs) spontaneous combustion movie that we aren't going to watch um i could live it if you have me come to your church (laughs) Be like, oh, oh I, we made a short film, a short film remake of Spontaneous Combustion. Uh, it's literally me it. taking five steps yeah. and then yeah. dying. <laughs> <laughs> hey, guys, you can still catch us at Blobfest. Um, <laughs> we'll be at Blobfest in a couple weeks. Uh, I'll be at San Diego Comic-Con immediately after that. And as of today of our recording, I have sent the payment for RetroCon uh, in September. I think there's a punk rock flea market in Akron uh, in that in August, sometime yes. in August. Dude, so, you know, upcoming event situation. Uh, yeah. You, you know where, you know, there's a great way to find out about all of the upcoming events is signing up for our Patreon. Just $1 still gets you the newsletter. On, or no, $3. $3 gets you the newsletter. Sorry. $1. We appreciate you. Uh, <laughs> that does but, that goes without that goes without almost saying. That goes without saying. Uh, but yes, so you get there's some opportunities to meet at least one of us at various locations, uh, and we will be back next week with even more horror movie, movie night goodness. <laughs> Do you like to laugh, geek out on music, and learn all about that band or artist who had that one song back in the day, but then seemed to fall off the face of the earth? 
If so, you need to subscribe to One Hit Thunder. Together with an array of interesting and hilarious guests, we do a weekly dive into one-hit wonders like Eiffel 65's Blue, Crayshon's Gucci Gucci, EMF's Unbelievable, Delamitri's Roll to Me, Los Del Rio's Macarena, Musical Youth's Past the Duchy, and even Patrick Swayze's She's Like the Wind. So are you subscribed to One Hit Thunder or what? As Desiree would say, you gotta be. And as K7 would encourage, you gotta come baby come and join in on the fun of the One Hit Thunder podcast. Meanwhile, in New Jersey... So, Marissa, what talking points do you want to hit on in this week's episode? Well, Jackie, let's talk about how the film addresses the patriarchy. Ooh, and representation of marginalized people. Ooh, ooh, and even philosophical ramifications of good versus evil and horror. We can point out the triangle boobs, talk about the blood splatter, and, oh, the practical effects. Um... And also the male gaze. My gaze at the males. hi From feminism to fangirling, the Jersey Ghouls cover all the bases of horror from a woman's perspective. New episodes are uploaded every other Sunday. Just search Jersey Ghouls to find us on social media and your favorite podcasting app. You're listening to the Geekscape Network. 